Chapter Four, Part Twenty Four of the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume Ten. Ingersoll's Closing Address to the Jury in the Second Star Route Trial. Part Twenty Four of Twenty Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana in january two thousand nineteen part twenty four the court let me inquire of the counsel for the defence if there are to be any other arguments upon their side mr hinkle may it please your honour inasmuch as i alone represent two of the defendants it is perhaps due to this jury and to myself to explain why i do not propose to argue the case i had prepared myself with a good deal of labour and painstaking to submit an argument to the jury but after the exhaustive and able argument of my brother wilson i and my colleagues were of the opinion that there was room but for one more argument on the part of the defence and with entire unanimity we selected our colleague brother ingersoll to make the argument and how grandly he has justified the choice the jury your honour and the spectators will determine i saw some time ago a little paragraph in a paper in this city which represents the interest of the government in which it was said that the defendants counsel were afraid to argue this case because they would come in collision with each other that each would try to throw the conspiracy at the door of the others and exonerate himself and that therefore they were afraid to argue the case i want to say to your honour that so far from being afraid to argue the case i should have been very happy to pursue the argument so far as i am concerned but out of tender consideration to the jury who have been kept for six months from their business and their interests which i know are suffering we have unanimously concluded that we would close the argument with that which your honour has just heard and i simply want to say further that i not only do not antagonize with anything that has been said by my brother wilson or by my eloquent friend who has just concluded but i endorse most fully and cordially every word that has been uttered and so far as my clients are concerned gentlemen of the jury the case is with you mr davidge may it please your honour perhaps i ought to add a single word it was understood by counsel that when Colonel Ingersoll, as stated by General Hinkle, was unanimously selected to represent the defendants, that both Colonel Ingersoll and myself should have the privilege of addressing the jury, if, in the judgment of either, it should be necessary. I have felt such a deep interest in the present case that I have almost hoped he might leave unoccupied some portion of the field of argument. I have listened to every word that has fallen from his lips— he has filled the whole area of the case with such matchless ability and eloquence that i have no ground upon which i can stand in making any further argument he has so fully uncovered the origin of this so-called prosecution its methods and the character and weight of the evidence upon which a conviction is sought that i can add nothing whatever to what he has said i need not add that every syllable he has uttered receives my grateful endorsement as well as that of all the defendants and their counsel in this case the following article appeared in the sun new york 
june fifteenth eighteen eighty three twelve jurymen decided this morning that the government had not legally established a case of conspiracy against the star route defendants this verdict of absolute acquittal coming so unexpectedly has created a very marked sensation the announcement in the courtroom of the verdict was followed by an uproarious scene of applause tears hysterics and cheers everyone expected the jury to disagree judge wiley himself a week or ten days ago called up the counsel for the prosecution and said to them i do not think you are going to get a verdict out of that jury i have watched it carefully and i am certain that four of the best men on it are in doubt last night an employee of the department of justice reported that the jury stood eleven to one for acquittal this came from one of the bailiffs who claimed to have overheard a vote at any rate the prosecution had intended if a disagreement was reported to ask to have the jury dismissed on the ground of the condition of juror vernon had this been attempted dr sowers who attended vernon yesterday would have testified that vernon was all right mentally after he had braced him up with two drinks of brandy the courtroom was crowded when the jurors took their places every one of the defendants was there dorsey sat by his wife flushed and expectant upon the left of mrs dorsey was her sister mrs peck brady was just back of his special counsel judge wilson looking as hard and grim as ever all of the counsel for the star route defendants were in their seats colonel ingersoll's face showed great self-control although he was evidently laboring under strong nervous excitement he was flanked by his entire family mr farrell mr baker colonel ingersoll's secretary and the white-haired and white-bearded mr bush the hard-working associate of colonel ingersoll were also present when the jurors took their places in the courtroom precisely at ten o'clock judge wiley looked at them and said in his slow hesitating way gentlemen i have sent for you to learn <coughs> to learn if you have agreed <coughs> upon a verdict mr crane the foreman said we have agreed judge wiley gave a start of surprise and looked towards the seats for the counsel of the government not one of them was present this looked very ominous for the government's case and indicated besides that the bailiffs must have betrayed the secrets of the jury-room to the prosecution as neither bliss nor merrick came to the courtroom at all mr kerr one of the counsel for the prosecution came in and stood in the door as the judge said to the clerk receive this verdict there was the usual silence as everyone turned toward the foreman mr crane said very deliberately we find the defendants not guilty then there followed a scene of great confusion and uproar which the judge could not restrain indeed he did not try the triumph of such an unexpected success after two years of fighting in the face of the entire power of the government made the humblest person connected in the most remote degree with the defence crazy with joy when colonel ingersoll came out of the courthouse a crowd gathered in front of him and then one stout-lunged broad-shouldered man cried out three cheers for colonel ingersoll there was a wild scene of tiger-like cheering from the excited crowd this demonstration was a personal compliment to the colonel for when the defendants passed out 
there was not the slightest sign of approval or disapproval beyond the congratulations of personal friends colonel ingersoll stood on the broad steps of the courthouse and smiled with the benevolent air of a popular orator in front of a congenial crowd and laughed outright when some over-enthusiastic admirer called speech speech the morning was clear and bright colonel ingersoll watched the crowd a moment himself a picture of radiant good nature as he stood with his white straw hat encircled with a blue band pushed back from his face his short thin black coat was partially buttoned over a white duck waistcoat he rested his hands in the pockets of his gray trousers the request for speech speech so amused him that he chuckled over it all the way to his open carriage which came up a moment after he was driven through pennsylvania avenue with his family people called out to him from the sidewalk and he was obliged to lift his hat so much that he finally sat bareheaded like a conquering hero waving his hands to the right and to the left his house was thronged all day mrs blaine and her daughter margaret were among the first who called there was a profession of people all day long who had no sympathy at all with the defendants and who were perfectly indifferent whether they went to the penitentiary or not but who were most heartily glad that their friend colonel ingersoll had accomplished such a great personal victory now that the case is over it is time to tell some facts about the prosecution which have been withheld until the case was closed in the first place the management of the prosecution has been equally scandalous with the crimes charged against the defendants the district attorney here has always been allowed a five dollar fee for the prosecution of cases attorney generals who preceded mr brewster ruled that this should be the official fee of special counsel this was made up by allowing the payment of lump sums as retainers when bliss and merrick were put upon the extravagant pay of one hundred and fifty dollars per day it was inevitable that they would prolong the case to the uttermost bliss has on top of all this pay put in an extraordinary list of personal expenses which have been allowed up to a very recent date the amount of extra matter running into this case only to prolong it has resulted in so confusing the case as to materially aid the defense then the reporting of the case has been turned into a huge job the stenographers will clear between thirty and forty thousand dollars on their work the other day i estimated from official sources the cost of the star route trials at one million dollars it will go above that it will foot up near one million two hundred thousand dollars this evening colonel ingersoll was serenaded there was a large gathering of friends of the star route defendants at colonel ingersoll's house to-night indoors the acquitted men their counsel and a large number of their more intimate friends many of them women met to exchange mutual congratulations and in the street a crowd had gathered partly out of curiosity and partly to express their sympathy with the defendants they cheered ingersoll and the other counsel as well as the defendants and the jury and called for speeches colonel ingersoll and judges wilson and carpenter spoke briefly colonel ingersoll's speech was short and vigorous he hailed the verdict of the jury as a victory for truth and justice and as a notice to the administration that it could not terrorize a jury by indicting jurymen and a warning to the president that he could not force a verdict by turning honest servants out of office 
this ends chapter four part twenty four and this ends colonel ingersoll's closing address to the jury in the second star route trial